Welcome to Painters Today. My name is Lucy Cox and in conjunction with the Prizeman Seabrook Collections, I will be presenting a series of podcasts featuring contemporary artists active in the United Kingdom today. You can subscribe to these podcasts via SoundCloud and my blog, the links to which can be found in the description. For more information regarding the Prizeman Seabrook Collections, visit prizemanseabrook.org. This is episode three, Fairy Like Jazz, featuring David Manley. been a long time no see. The last time I saw you was, uh, was it last April? For the Colour Kind of Bliss exhibition, wasn't it? That I curated with Which you very kindly invited Freya. me to be a part of. Yes, yes. And what have you been up to since then? Have you had any shows or anything? Like uh, just recently, um, I, I, I've been in an exhibition in, in France with a group of other artists from the Nottingham area um, and uh, showed some banner pieces that I made last summer whilst uh, my wife and I, my wife Sarah is also a painter and we, we did a month residency at the Booth in, on the Shetlands in Scalloway and um, I, I, for that I decided to make some banner paintings on paper uh, partly for reasons of convenience of getting materials up there and uh, Partly because I wanted to explore a kind of tall, narrow format again. It's something I've visited a number of times over the years, um, and I quite like this kind of long, thin, narrow format. Um, so yeah, that, that's that's really what I've been involved in over the last uh, year or so. Mm. And how were those works different from your from your previous works? I mean, has that been quite a big shift for you? You know, working in that sort of e- elongated way because I know that a lot of your works are are quite circular aren't they some of them and quite oval um, and I well, showed the, I think three oval works um, in the colour kind of bliss show last year yeah I mean the, uh, that would the sort of circular and the oval format um, was something I, I I kind of felt that I got as much out of as I could mm. using the kind of uh, geometry that I'm using within these pictures they're essentially um, breaking down of geometric forms um, and uh, 
the main difference really between the the ovals and the circles which were painted uh, on aluminium is that these later works are, are painted on paper so of course you get a different kind of facture you get a different kind of um, interaction with the paint and the surface um, on paper than you do on the aluminium and of course the other thing is that you on the aluminium I could do a lot of sanding back I use a very hard gesso um, on, on, on the aluminium panel, panels which enable me to sand sand them back quite quite aggressively whereas obviously on the paper even though it's a fairly heavy uh, Fabriano it's 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 it, you know you can't it, it can't take too much rough stuff um, so you have to kind of find other ways of making the kind of incident on the surface um, which I like to have um, uh, uh, making that is much more difficult with the paper mm. and these paperworks have they formed part of a series yeah I mean I tend to I tend to kind of work on different series at the same time and it's um, probably one of my downfalls really in terms of having any kind of uh, meaningful career is that I I, I will will set off on a series of works and then immediately set off on another series in a completely different direction so I mean if I look around at the moment it, it, here I, I can see one two three four five different sets of works under, underway of different sizes different kinds of themes um, different numbers of works um, uh, and even different styles of painting I'm not somebody who easily you can pick out and say well that's that's the paintings he makes um, people often say to me you know every time I do a show somebody will come up to me and say my goodness these are completely different from the ones you were making you know the last time I looked um, but they weren't really I mean I, I I've been making those periods you know quite consistently I keep series going for I can keep series going for many years but certainly for several years so um, the, the the banner ones I mean I think will will be a series at the moment I've got four of them uh, framed up they just came back from the exhibition in France I've got uh, three more I think that were completed either on Shetland or shortly thereafter then there are about four more that have, have, have been on the go ever since last summer and that aren't completed and then I tried to make three more which were going to go to France but never actually got there because they weren't resolved mm -hmm. you know so uh, there, there probably will be at least a dozen in that series and maybe even more because while I was away you know one of the things I find happens to me is I'm sure this happens with other people is that work changes when you get it into the public arena you know it, it looks you know in the studio you think it's about one thing or you know, a number of things but then you take it out into public spaces people make remarks about it or suggest things to you and you look at it differently out there and then you find yourself scribbling in a book you know that you might do this or you might change that or or you know um, so so yeah it can you know it changes radically all the time I think, mm. for me. and in terms of you know your style changing and you've got so many different styles does that bother you in any way or are you quite happy to you know to have lots of strings well, strings to your bow I mean when are, are I was you, younger you, you know it, yeah it worried me sick mm. um, and I, I, I 
constantly trying to discipline myself. Over the last 10 or 15 years, I mean, probably a byproduct, one of age and two of the fact that over the last 20 years or so, I've seen other artists who work much more like I do than I did in the past. Um, it doesn't worry me at all now. I just think I'm going to do what I'm going to do. When I was very young, I remember reading a remark of Frank Stella's where he said, rather disparagingly, you know, that when you were young, you painted in lots of different styles and you ate other people, but then you found your own style and you did it. And, uh, um, you know, if, if that were absolutely true, of course, Frank Stella would still be using a four-inch house painter's brush and painting black stripes, you know, obsessively <laughs> over and over again. But, but you know, he didn't, did he? He went on to do other sorts of things and get a lot looser himself. Um, I, I now don't care, really. And I, if I think of other painters I admire, like Olaf Christopher Jensen recently was doing a talk and he said, you know, well, I, I've got this series on the go and then I've got that series on the go. And I'm sure people, in fact, I, in this talk, he said that, you know, um, somebody came into his studio one day and said, well, there are obviously two painters working here because, you know, there's two completely different groups of work. They couldn't be made by the same person. And he said, no, they're both mine. And I'm sure people could come in here and say, well, there must be about four or five different artists at work, you know, because the stuff doesn't look the same. But they are all mine. And um, uh, no, so it doesn't bother me at all, really. Because mm. there are some painters whose style has never changed they've been doing the same style for you know for decades and maybe it becomes a bit repetitive maybe you have to have lots of different styles and ways of working because it it keeps the creative juices flowing doesn't it and well I, I think it's different for everybody I mean yeah, you know, I'm not yeah. going to say that you know um you know Sean Scully has painted stripes I mean the stripes have changed a lot over mm. the years and so I'm sure if you were to ask him he would say you know no it's it's fine, you know, I mean, I can keep inventing. And I'd rather admire artists who can keep reinventing themselves within a, uh, what might be an identifiable kind of framework, mm. you know, I mean, mm. uh, good for them. Yeah. Um, it's just yeah. not me. Yeah, although I think, I think you have got an identifiable framework in some ways. I mean, but I'm looking at this painting here, and it's quite similar to the one you've got in the Prizeman Seabrook collection. And it's quite similar to this sort of geometric work on paper that's on the wall on, on the on the right. So I, I can see I can see similarities. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I think you know, I um, think Th Thomas Nikoski, the painter, American painter, you know, uh, said something about you know always wanting to kind of make something completely afresh and new, but of course that's not just not possible because you're in it, mm. you know, and if you're in it, then somehow or another that's going to manifest itself at least maybe unconsciously but it's going to it's yeah. going to manifest itself to anybody who cares mm. to look at it yeah yeah i think so um so tell me more about your painting in the prizeman seabrook collections um you made it in 2016 uh, and it's called git Git or get? Well, that's how it's pronounced. Git. Get it in your soul. Um, <laughs> I sound like an Australian there. Sorry. <laughs> um, um, 
I'm assuming from the title that it refers to jazz or some kind of music. Yeah, it's it's, it's actually the first tra- track on um on an album by, if my memory serves me right, I think it's the album Mingus Ahum, um, which which is an American jazz musician from uh, mainly active in the fifties and sixties, called Charlie Mingus, and um, Mingus um, uh, made a series of quite quite important jazz albums in the late 50s and early 60s um, of which that was one and the first track is Get It In Your Soul and uh, um, uh, the reason I chose the title um, goes back in a sense to the whole uh, genesis of that particular body of work um, which is still ongoing actually it's changed slightly Um, I'm uh, made the, the paintings and I called them very light jazz um, over a period of two years really uh, last year and the year before um, this year I've sort of changed them slightly and they are moving in a slightly different direction so I'm calling it um, at the moment provisionally very light jazz sort of um, but but the, the this original group really came out of a period of and I'm sure again this is something that most painters uh, struggle with occasionally, particularly abstract painters struggle with, or you know, non-figurative painters struggle with. Um, in fact, I saw an American, uh, yeah, uh, American artist um, tweeted the other day about um, he'd been struggling with structure and imagery and he got it back up and running. And, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of em- empathise with that because I was sort of searching for something and I wasn't quite sure what it was, still not sure what it is. I uh, hope I never am because in a sense that's what makes you want to make the paintings. But but um, I was looking at a lot of uh, 50s modernism of one kind or another, um, both from America but also from the UK also from uh, the School of Paris, um, you know, when that, in that period where a lot of what were considered to be interesting painters suddenly were very uninteresting because America was sort of swamped in the field. Um, and, and, I, and the, you know, the, in terms of England, I was not just looking at painting, but I was looking at, at designers, people like Lucy and Day and Marion Marl. Um, and then I, that also I got very into and probably the person who was most influenced the beginning of making these pictures was a an American illustrator. Really, uh, uh, he painted, but he he was known. He, he worked as a commercial artist called uh, F. Neil Fujita, uh, and he was an American Japanese artist. And he 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 did several album covers. One of which is one of the. Uh, Mingus albums so the kind of interest in jazz and the interest in that kind of a, a 50s formalism kind of came together um, and I stole some of the elements of it and um, uh, so I'm a bit parasitical like that and I, I'll steal ideas from wherever I find them um, so that 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 was really how it came about and th- that painting is one of that series and I think in the little book that I've produced, I think there are about eighteen or twenty pictures in total, um, and 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 they're they're all everyone's got a title taken from a particular tune from somewhere in the fifties or or 
one or two cases of the early 60s um, from a, an album and, a, and in, in the little book I produced the paintings are reproduced the, the, the titles there but it also tells you what the album was and what the year was so you know it's 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 a kind of interesting little sweep through what goes through my head really mm. I know um, in one of your blog posts you've, you've you know you've spoken about jazz and you've spoken about music before and in one post, I think from um, from two thousand and sixteen, maybe yeah, you, you said that you um, that you don't listen to music whilst you're painting. Really? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, um, do, I mean, has that changed? Have you started listening to music in your studio? Well, funnily enough, since uh, I was working in the studio uh, some uh, somewhere else for a long time, and then I moved back to to my home. Um, and I do have a, a record player here, and I, so I do put on albums occasionally. It tends to be jazz, it tends to be non-vocal. I find vocal music um, interferes with my thought processes in a way that, um, uh, you know, instrumental music doesn't. So sometimes it can be classical, uh, even minimalist music. But, but and quite a lot of the time now, I, I quite like not to be aware of what's going on you know it's that thing about not being aware of what's going on around you you know it, trying to get into it in such a way that you're not really conscious of what you're doing yeah. at all yeah okay so so what do you find so um so compelling let's say maybe yeah compelling about jazz like in terms of the titles and the the um you know the style of jazz and that kind of music what how how why, why do you find it so inspirational for your for your work? Uh, I mean, if you don't listen to it actively when you're making making paintings, I think it's for me the 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 reason I got well, who knows what the reasons are for listening to music? And I mean, I listen to all kinds of music, so, you know, not just jazz, but I'm particularly attracted to jazz because I think it's that sense of. Uh, the process, you know, the process through which music is made, and I like the idea of uh, uh, of taking, say, something like a standard tune, a tune that everybody would know. You know, I mean, I suppose a classic example might be uh, John Coltrane doing "My Favorite Things." You know, and but then jazz, you know, takes some takes something which has got a standard form, and then twists it out of all recognition, you know, reconfigures it, puts it back together in different ways. And and also I think it's that sense of the risk-taking that's in a, a you know, it's a, obviously once it's put down on, on vinyl or, or in CD or download, it's different. But, but at the moment of conception, it's the risk-taking I like about jazz. Mm. You know, it, I think it's it, it has something of the same kind of status of, as, as abstract a lot of non-figurative painting, mm. um, you know that you, you know uh, Thomas Nagoski talks in one video about you know putting down one color and then reacting to it with another, and that's a process that's very similar to jazz, and um, I like that. Mm. And I think you did mention that in the blog post later, and you said. Um, he, and you said, I know lots of you probably hate it, but I like to think that jazz is a bit like abstract painting. As the great David Hickey once said, those who care about it know where to find it, but no one else gives a shit. <laughs> um, 
Do you think that people in that respect feel the same about uh, abstract painting? Because I... it because it is quite challenging to you know because it is abstract and it's it's not immediately representational or you know figurative. Do you think that people feel the same way about abstract painting? Do you think? I, I'm sure that some people do. Yeah. I mean, it's presumptuous, isn't it, really, to so, so you know to say anything definitively. But but I mean, I I do think that um, what we might call abstract or non-figurative painting, perhaps preferably, mm. um, uh, is still almost remarkably, in some ways. Um, Difficult for many people to get their heads around a hundred and what, 110, 120 years after yeah. it was first, you know, started to be done. I mean, mm. it seems crazy to yeah. me, really. <laughs> um, but 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 yeah, I mean, people find that, re and I think you know, the same is true of jazz. You know, I mean, jazz has been around for roughly the same period of time, yeah. and yet, you know, it, it still seems to be completely ignored by a lot of people and completely must misunderstood by a lot of people even if they do think about it um so yeah i mean i th I, th I think you know we and it both both art forms i think take a lot of time and a lot of slow consideration and um you know the times ain't for that uh, in a in a in a recent discussion in in the Cooper Union in New York, the painter Philip Taft, who seemed slightly grumpy, um, in the nice nicest possible way, but he seemed slightly grumpy about the whole thing about you know painting takes a lot of time, and I don't think he was just thinking about non-figurative painting, but you know he's saying you know in the modern world people just won't give it the time that it deserves, and um, I think there's some truth in that. Although I hope I'm not as grumpy about it as he seemed to be. <laughs> I don't think so, and I think maybe that's why there's been a you know like like a resurgence with more painters and a and an interest in painting and maybe like handmade art generally is because people are, are you know are tired of having have their faces stuck stuck against screens and this constant stream of of visual information. They they kind of want something that's that's physical and, and that they're able to see the brush marks and you know and to actually ponder and think about what they're looking at you know I, I certainly think that's true and I think you know um, uh, I was very taken a few years back with something that the painter Jonathan Lasker had said and he said we're all at present more divided less empowered and certainly far less connected to the effects of our world than we should be he says, it is for this reason that I'm deeply involved with the textures of a medium capable of universalizing so much lost intimacy. You know, and uh, I'd love to have said that, but I, I, I certainly understand where he's coming from with that. And in the same, I think in the same, uh, in the same piece of writing, he said something about, you know, wanting to support the, 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 the you know, the primacy of the, the hand gesture, mm, yes. the handmade gesture, mm. as opposed to the screen. You know, mm, I, I, mm. again, I, that's something else I can I can very much sympathise with. Mm, mm. I mean, art art that's made that's that's handmade. You know, sculptures or paintings uh, excites me more than 
like a you know like a computer installation or 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 a sound artwork. Um, I'm, I'm much I'm much more excited about paintings and and uh, you know handmade sculptures and that sort of thing. I don't, don't know whether you feel the same. I guess I must do because you know that's what I spend my time doing. Yeah. And certainly when I go to shows or you know. You know, somewhere like the Venice Biennale, you know, it, I, I will try to seek out some painting if I can. Um, but that's not to say, I, I, you know, other art forms don't, you know, powerfully, if you know, uh, other means of making visual art don't don't have meaning for me. I mean, I think there's some very powerful people out there. I mean, you know, if you take somebody like Kentridge, I think Kentridge is William Kentridge is just an exceptional. An amazing artist. Uh, there are some great video artists out there, Sharon Neshat, and um, you know uh, Bill Viola, and so I mean mm, there there, yeah. are, there are plenty of good examples of other kinds of ways of skinning the cat. But yeah, I'm I I like you. I mean I I I still have this sort of visceral connection to you know stuff on on paper or mm. on canvas mm. tell me about your uh, about your time in italy north wales and the shetland islands uh, i know that's inspired a lot of your a lot of your practice well it's not i, I you know i mean it, uh, it's interesting though isn't it i mean you're right i mean i suppose i am inspired but it's not and you know it's interesting you, you you pick out italy north wales and i mean the shetland certainly had a powerful influence on me and i've been going to italy Oh, thirty some odd years now, pretty regularly, nearly every year, at least once, and sometimes twice, and and you know, so these are places that have a resonance. Um, actually, I mean, I spent very little time in North Wales, but but yet, yeah, but that that I did spend some time there recent, relatively recently, um, but none of none of those things are say it's. It's not a specific response to any visual things that one sees, although, of course, you see things visually all the time as you're walking around, and so they do have an impact on you. But it's a com I think it's a much more complex mix of sensations of all kinds. You know, it's, it's, it, it can be sound, it can be, it can be your mood, it can be whoever you're with, it can be something you've eaten, it can be something you've touched, you know, are there a whole range of ex mm. things that make up experience, you know, for me anyway, and, and you know, that, that it, it it's almost more of a feeling, or, you know, and the, the kind of ambience that, or the, or, and the, then of course you mix the memory of it into it, which of course is completely different from reality anyway, you know, you, your memory of what, something was you know six months on or you know sitting here today is going to be a very different experience from being in say you know somewhere in Cornwall which is another place I've, I've, I've you know kind of theoretically made work about in the past um, you know Cornwall, Cornwall in January is going to be very different from uh, you know somewhere in northern Tuscany in July mm. so you know I, 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 I I do think it's a very complicated thing, and I, when I think about other other painters, you know, you read about other painters and they talk about these things. I mean, Thomas Nagowski talks very, I think, eloquently about about how that kind of works, you know, about about how you can take stuff, and but then the process takes over from it. 
and the process is a life of its own. So, um, and sometimes it's not even about those things. I mean, one of the bodies I'm working on at the moment, the bodies of work I'm working on at the moment, is, and it does relate, is very directly related to a Simon Sharma book, um, Landscape and Memory, which he wrote many years ago now. But landscape and memory is is concerned with all these, all the kinds of th all the kinds of culture, you know, acculturated experiences that make up one's sense of what the world is about, and um, it's split into three main sections: uh, uh, wood, water, and rock. And so I decided to make eighteen biggish paintings uh, based on quotations from uh, parts of those sections of the, those, book, those books. Uh, I've done all the ones on wood and exhibited them um, locally a few years back, uh, well a year or so back, a couple of years back. And I'm now coming to the end of the water section of that book and, uh, and I've got a whole stack of paintings on the go now for the rock section of it. Um, and you know, again, that's a complex mix of things because it's it, it it's what's going through my head in reading the book. It's then other ideas or concerns or experiences around that, and then there's the process of making it and other painting ideas that have entered into it, and then there's just the whole thing of like when you put one color down. That's you know, I think. Thomas Nagoski always says evokes. He always says that you know one color evokes another. Um, one form you know leads to another. You know, and and so the painting then takes on a life of its own. And so for you, I mean, maybe the idea of evoking it's not just color, but it's you know as you said words or chapters of a book. So you know, so something then leads on yeah. to another thing. Yeah. Words kind of link link to other words and that kind of thing and then that in itself kind of carries on and carries yeah. on yeah and i mean you know um that's it has in the past a long time ago now for me um but i know it does for other painters i mean i mentioned olaf christopher jensen a while back in this discussion and and i mean he he went through a whole period and meant for i know he may be still going through it where he was putting text directly into the pictures you know and um, sometimes it was text that you could read and meaningfully, you know, make sense of mm. some element of it. But other times it was literally letters, you know, kind of that you that to to any almost anybody viewing it other than him would seem just like a kind of random collection of letters. Um, and I, I, I many years ago I I made a whole series of works where I would scroll text into them. Um, and uh, but I mean now I mean I've confined the, the this series I'm working on of landscape and memory to just writing the scrawling the text around the edge of the painting. Yeah, I've seen some of those. Yeah, yeah I've seen um, some of those. So you know, I mean, get, get so then you have to take that into consideration as part of the thing you've made anyway. So there, those paintings from that I'm making in that group, are, they're 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 a lot more. In a, I mean, although they're entirely non-figurative, they're 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 much nearer to a kind of narrative than, say, the jazz pictures are. Mm, you know, okay. Because, because of the nature of the the original 
subject matter that I've that I've I've decided to work with. Mm. Mm. So. And to go back to um, to discussing whether whether works are abstract or representational or figurative or non figurative, do you regard your works as like completely abstract, or would you say that they're kind of like in the middle between representational and abstract? I was desperately trying to think this morning. I read something <laughs> not very long ago, and I couldn't find it this morning before you arrived. Um, it was a French artist. I think it was a French fifties artist. It might have been somebody like um, Alfred Manasseh or somebody like that. One of those painters I've mentioned, you know, from the sort of post-war school of Paris, who all got sort of in one sense washed away by the you know the the explosion of interest in America in the late 50s um, and who I think are much neglected group of painters I have to say I mean I have a lot of time for people like Alfred Manessier and Jean Bazin and, and Gustave Sangier and all sorts of people like that and they they've influenced my painting over the last 20 years as much or more so than the Americans did when I was a you know, in my twenties, where that was basically all anybody was interested in, or well, certainly all the people I knew were interested. We were all interested in American painting, but but I can't remember who it was and what the word was. But um, uh, one of those guys had, had said, you know, he, he always used to get quite cross about the you know figurative abstract thing, and he always used to he had a word that he used to describe what he did which left it deliciously ambiguous and if I could remember what that word was I would use it um, <laughs> and I was actually whilst I was in France last week with this group of French artists I noticed that one of them called himself a plastician mm. which I like I like that as a plastician no, what, what did he mean by well I think by, he, by he's an artist who, who uses print he uses paint he uses uh, three-dimensional stuff so I don't think he wanted to be tied down in any way, you know. So okay. I think a plasticision can mean, you know, you just use plastic material of some kind yeah. or another yep. to make your yes. art. And uh, and also, you know, it needn't be, it could be figurative, but it could be abstract. I mean, on one level, of course, as we all know, there's nothing totally abstract in the world. I mean, you know, every, everything comes from somewhere yeah yeah and it, and people will read things in as soon as i put you know three yeah. circles up with strings hanging off them you know somebody's gonna say well it's their balloons yeah my, yeah my granddaughter will say that. yeah i mean that uh, painting you've got in the pride and secret collections you know the get it in your soul i mean to, to me that that is a landscape yeah yeah. Um, or it's you know it could be somebody's very turbulent mind their their turbulent imagination yeah you know? and I think it probably you know I mean it's quite probable that if we were to track back to some of the you know the impetus that I had for making that painting which as I say you know would would involve uh, you know the, the album covers by this Vegeta guy or Lucy and Day's work, or whoever it might be, they they may well have, you know, abstracted from nature themselves, you know. Um, so it's kind of you know we're, we're all um, uh, a, a, an artist friend of mine, uh, Andrew Bracy, um, recently just uh, uh, I think his public is coming out in the Journal of Contemporary Painting in October. Um, is discussing. Um, 
people who make making work that um, uses you know historical paintings um, as a catalyst for making new work and he's done that himself he's kind of painted over um, historical paintings and you know painted ge geometry over the top of them um, and and he's written this piece and he, quite a learned piece about about this parasitical nature and um, I'm certainly involved in that, you know, in, in a lot of my work, as I say, quite often it will be, it will be drawing on what other people have made and stealing other people's bits and putting them back into some other new arrangement. And um, so, you know, if they, if their things, if their things came from something observed in nature, then the thing that I've made is come from that even though it might be completely bastardized yeah you know? yeah but you're not you know you're not stealing maliciously you're you're just taking from what you find interesting and i think all painters or all, all artists take things from art history yeah, all their work so. references what came well, before there was that whole show wasn't there a couple of years ago all the of all the um, historical paintings that picasso had remade you know, so remade the woman of Algiers, like that. I mean, you know, obviously, famously did Las Meninas, and you know, I mean, so yeah, we're all at it all the time. I think I, I, again, you know, how can you not be, particularly now where we are in twenty eighteen? You know, we've like I say, we've we've not only got the entire history of painting, but we've also got the last hundred years. Well, the whole thing's been opened up in every conceivable direction, and then we've got all the other kinds of art making, which clearly have had a massive influence on many of us. I mean, I quite often use digitised imagery um, as part of the process of creating imagery for making paintings. What kind of um, digitised imagery do you use for your paintings? Um, well, I, I, I mean... Well, I, not, I, not all of them, but I will go out and I will take photographs directly yeah. sometimes yeah. and then play with them either in Photoshop or... I, I I tend to do it very crudely in a on a just an iPad on with the simple program that's on that. I'm not very technically um, adept or illiterate, and I don't particularly want to be. And I'm not yeah. trying to make, um, you know, I, I collage up collage up images <coughs> sometimes and uh, in a very crude fashion, and and use that because that it's the starting point for making the painting rather than wanting to make some fashion something sit, to sit on a screen or to be printed out in some way mm. although again that's equally you know viable as a way forward mm. lots of artists are doing it mm. Mm. and you studied um was it a master's degree in photography a few years ago yeah i mean i, I did that um partly just to kind of exercise if you like an interest in photography that i've always had since I was a student, um, and just to explore, you know, the complexities of of making photographs really um, that that would stand up on their on their own terms, as it were, and uh, it's harder than you think. Mm. I think a lot of us as painters start tend to think, oh, yeah, photography is exclusive. <laughs> yeah, especially That's, now, like you know, with smartphones, because you know, I mean, you you hear. I was. I think Grayson Perry said uh, said so, uh, said in his wreath lectures that you know I'm probably actually I'm paraphrasing him, but he implied that we're all photographers now, and that you know we're we're constantly snapping away. But as you say, it's actually harder than you think. 
I think it is to make meaningful images yes. which speak to people in some some kind of profound way. And, yes. And and um, and yeah. I mean, I, I I mean, I have exhibited purely photographic pieces very occasionally because some ideas I think I've had or some notions that I've had that I wanted to express um, are so rooted in the index indexicality of, of you know the photographic image that it seemed per, it, you know impertinent and irrelevant to translate it into kind of painted form um, most of the time that isn't true for me and uh, but the the ma in a way was kind of a way of reaffirming that for, for myself you know that it was something i i need at a certain point i felt i needed to do so I kind of immersed myself in it for about 18, 20 months uh, on my master's program, just because I, uh, you know, I, I mean, I think I got a little bit better at making photographs as well, but I don't really take, I mean, I take lots of like snaps like everybody else. So I, uh, I abuse photography a lot, but I don't make photographs very much. Mm. And you said that you have taken photographs and you've incorporated them into your work and you've used uh, those photographs as a basis for your paintings. What kind of imagery have you been influenced by or what kind of excites, what floats your boat, as, <laughs> as the saying goes? I don't know, it's just, it's, you know, you just walk around and uh, if you're making, I mean, I made a whole series of, of paintings uh, and, and, and now got other ongoing series of paintings of um, uh, the districts around where I live and so I go to a village that's only like nine miles away but that I've never been to before and it's surprising how many places there are within you know 20 miles of your home that you've never been to and I go to a village and I just wander about and it could be anything I see you know I mean uh, if I look back to the first series I did, I mean, one of the paintings is—I mean, nobody would ever know this—but one of the paintings is based on a on a spider hanging out of the uh, and his web that he got out of the post box in the village, and that struck me that you know nobody used that post box in several days because the spider's web was highly developed, you know. And, it was living quite comfortably coming out of the, the where people would put the letters in, which would have immediately broken the web. So you know, it's it's it, you know, then that struck me as visually quite interesting. Um, it doesn't really manifest itself in the painting, but it, you know, because another one would be uh, a, an odd conjunction of 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 spans of of timber across a a barn or something, you know. Another one might be I just turn a corner and see a field and a gate and there's something about the light coming through that gate at that particular moment from that particular field and the colour of the field. It can be that. Mm. It, can, it can be very, very, very random mm. things. Mm. I find myself being drawn to um, uh, like floors in uh, like train stations and like little marks that they've been made on the floor, like warning signs or, you know, that black and black and yellow tape that's been made into like squares and and X's. And I'm thinking mm. that's really. And I end up like taking a photo, and I'm, I'm sure people are looking at me like, who's who's that strange girl taking a photograph of the ground? 
yeah. <laughs> what is she doing? <laughs> well, I th- yeah, like, I mean, it, it, it's quite interesting. I, I follow, a, I don't follow very many other people's blogs and, um, because, you know, it eats up your life if you're not careful. Yeah. But I, I'm very loyal to the few that I do follow. And uh, there's one chap in Hull um, uh, who, who posts regularly photographs that he's taken and they're great. I mean, they, you know, he just observes <coughs> odd little things, you know, like the way in which some yobbo has kind of stubbed out his cigarette on the plastic back of a chair on a bus, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and it, it, they're just they're just wonderful photographs quite yeah. often. And I yeah. just think, well observed. In 2016, no, sorry, no, 2017, you wrote one of your... <clears throat> I'd like to apologise to our listeners. I've got a bit of a cold, so that's why I've been coughing and sniffling throughout. But uh, no... Um, a quote from you in 2017 you say my ongoing feeling of dissatisfaction with much of my recent painting process rather than the picture themselves comes from overthinking them as a young painter I just crack on with the work but over the years I've taken to thinking about each stage of the process even those parts of it that are intuitive or seemingly random that have gone through a deal of soul searching from now on I'll put whatever tunes I damn well like and try to actually enjoy the painting that refers to um to your uh, influences from jazz um so do you think the artists in that case then can do too much overthinking or soul searching going back to what we were saying earlier and do you feel more content with your painting practice now than you did uh 40 years ago <laughs> since you started <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> um, I I mean, you can overthink things. I think, and and and, you know, oh, it's 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 a, it's the tragedy of life, isn't it? That that the more you know, the less you know, in one sense. You know, the more you see stuff, the more you experience stuff. You know, I mean, I, I was. I was, I was. I turned sixty before I actually sat in front of Demoiselle d'Avignon, you know, in, in Mama. Um, and I really, genuinely believe that it's very difficult to talk authoritatively about a work of art without having actually sat in front of it and and really looked at it in in reality rather than in a book or on screen or whatever. Um, and, and certainly I think that gives you a deeper understanding of it. So I, 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 I think the more you know, the less inclined you are to believe that you know what's going <coughs> on, you know? I, I think, you know, when you're young, you have the arrogance of youth and you just, you just do it. And I think... But I mean, you know, but you can't unknow things and you can't stop yourself from, hopefully, I think if you, if you care about the, what you're doing, you, you, you have to, there was a wonderful quotation a few years back um, in the papers, um, Jean-Paul Gaultier, the fashion designer, was asked, you know, whether he would make a good lecturer and he said, oh no, a good professor, he said, no, I'd be hopeless, he said, the only thing I would say to a student is, do whatever you can with as much self-confidence and passion as you can bring to it. 
you know and I think I think you know that, 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 that that's true and you know um, and when you're young you have a lot of passion and self-confidence and I think as you get to know more things you 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 hesitate I certainly hesitate a bit more now before I you know get into the work but I mean I think it is important to get into it and then to just let it kind of unfold and again again I'm going to nick a quotation from somebody else um, I was listening to Olaf Christopher Jensen talking and he says um, you know the, the most trustworthy moment comes when consciousness gives way to the unconscious when the thought doesn't rule the process but only the devotion accumulated by deep concentration by openness and the unknowing there is nothing understandable in the fearing or the disturbing mm. and I think mm. you know you've, you've got to get to that point but it gets harder as, I think, as you get older mm. because you, you know you look at something or you think you might do something something as simple as say you know putting a a green you know a, a, a bright green against a bright red because you know that that's going to set off you know a kind of real you know, j j judder in the picture, and you think, oh, I can't do that. That's too obvious. You know, oh, that's been done before. You know, and it's all that kind of thinking that gets in the way of, you know, if you're not careful, can get in the way. And so, I suppose it was that frustration when I wrote that, probably that was 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 going on. Um, you know, that's that wonderful old thing, and I think it's attributed to John Cage. You know, I I've read it in a Gustin book, I think about you know when you start out in the studio painting you know everybody's in there with you but gradually one by one they all go out you know and eventually even your wife and your loved ones leave the studio and on really good days you leave the studio yeah yeah there's a great um video on youtube uh of a painter that's that's now died uh called frederick hammersley who's an american painter yeah. who died in 2009 aged 90 and this video, I think, was either the last or one of the last you know, recordings of him in the studio. Um, and he was talking about how um, how he got to the point then, at the age of 90, where he could finally accept that he could paint without thinking. And that was the name of mm. one of his last shows. And, and it was such a wonderful documentary. It's only about 10 minutes long, but... Um, I remember feeling quite emotional after mm, I watched mm. it because he he was so kind of yeah. honest about his work and he was sort of sitting down and he had these little like books of all his drawings, little you know maquettes of like drawing maquettes and he had one um, A5 book where it was just all titles of <laughs> things that he'd been thinking about you know mm. and some of them were just so beautiful like like Santa Claus or you know the woman's hat all these titles that he thought about paintings and he was talking about you know um thinking painting without thinking you know what is wrong with that well there's mm. nothing wrong with that no, no. you know and uh and it was it was such such a beautiful documentary you know of this man that had been painting for 60 or 70 years you know right through and you know still painting at the age of 90 yeah it's wonderful Good stuff. Mm. Um, and finally, yeah, just to end, um, <laughs> um, have you seen any decent shows? Have you seen any good shows lately, painting exhibitions? Yeah, and I went to see the John Piper show at Liverpool Tate. I went to see the 
the Giacometti in London and, and, and you know, that hideous Picasso 1932 show. Um, why do people do that to you? No, <laughs> you think you think maybe you're doing something worthwhile, and then you go and see that show, and you just think, "I'm not even at first base," you know. And um, you know, how can somebody do that in one year? Um, yeah, so I saw those. I mean, over the last few years, show. I mean, I do see a lot of shows. We try to get out, and I go out with a pal, and we we go quite a lot of places around the country looking at shows. So we do. We see a lot of work, and it's you know it's what 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 particularly strikes you, um, you know, and I, yeah, I you know I, I, I remember seeing a show rel- not that many years ago at the New Art Gallery in Warsaw, um, which is run by Stephen Snoddy, who's an interesting painter who wrote good colours, um, but he put on a show with Chris LeBrun's paintings, which was quite uh, quite memorable for me. Um, so yeah, no, I, I get out and see a lot of a lot of work. Mm. And you mentioned the uh, Picasso exhibition. What you didn't like it? No, I love here. it. I mean, yeah. I just think it, I just think it's um, uh, there, you know, no. I, uh, I mean, I was just thinking, you know, God, how can somebody have that much creative, you know, energy? Oh right, and, okay. And how oh, can they be one, yeah. that, you know, that that engaged? Really, you know, I mean, there was so much work there, and done such as short concentrated wow. space of time yeah um you know and you've got big canvases um literally done one day after the other after mm. another mm. and it wouldn't be quite so bad if they weren't very good but they're all absolutely marvelous well, Picasso, you know? but, but, i mean a lot of people say oh you know picasso why why is he put an eye up there and a, and a chin down there but he he was actually a genius wasn't mm. he i mean he could he could paint beautifully by the time he was what ten yeah, years old or yeah. something like that. Um, so I think he was a he was just a very creative individual, and yeah, I think I saw the All Too Human show at Tate Britain last week. Uh, it was a good show, but I I just felt that um, there was just too much work there, and there was mm. too many sub themes. Um, and it needed to be more focused. I think. Um, I certainly find as you know, as as I get older, I, I I can't take in I can't take in very much work at a time. So you know, I I, I do find those big blockbuster shows, even even the Picasso. You know, uh, it, it it's it's a bit too much really. I, yeah. I much prefer like the little the little display um, in Hull at the beginning of the year of culture at the Ferrans. With the Masaccio Annunciation, you know, the, the, it, it coincided with them them having a, a small um, panel piece by, oh, um, I think it was Simone. Anyway, um, from the same, you know, just a few years later, uh, and and this it was a small display. It was a small room, really, with with like about a dozen works in, um, and you know, it, that was enough. Yeah. Really. yeah. So I, I I often find myself attracted to these you know small shows you know yeah. where where you know you you focus in on relatively few works yeah. and and rather than the big blockbuster shows where uh, if you're not careful you end up just you know just train spotting really. You got anything com- coming up? There's a and, small show coming up in Nottingham um, shortly um, called Make Colours Sing. 
mm-hmm. um, which is a dozen or so artists, mostly drawn from the, 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 the Nottingham area, but would one or two coming from further afield. And and so that would be nice. I mean, there are one or two artists in that show who, who have a lot of time for, so it would be nice to show with them again. And um, no, beyond that, I mean, you know, uh, I'm, I'm hoping that I'll probably show the the second of the landscape and memory groups of works yeah. in in a year or so's time. That um, you know that, that that's you know that that's not yet sorted out for dates or anything. Yeah. Um, and beyond that, no, it's 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 kind of an open book at the moment. Mm. But something will come along. What that's what one of the things again when I was young, you know, you kind of. Thought, oh well, you've got to show something. I've got to do something. And like, yeah. Now I just think, yeah. well, something will come along, you know. And uh, when it does, you know, we gratefully accept it and do it. Um, and if it doesn't come along, well, I don't know, you know. I've I discussed with my wife the other week that maybe one of the things we might do in the future is is strip this building out. It's quite a big building. It's um, a beautiful building. And actually. and and. Do a studio show, you know. Yeah. I mean, it was good enough for Clifford Still. Yeah. It's good enough for me, yeah. you know. I mean, you you live here in a uh, former chapel. Yeah. Former, former chapel. Old Methodist chapel. An old so. Methodist chapel. Yeah. So it's it's a really unusual um, space, <laughs> if I can call it that space or, or house. Uh, it's beautiful, and I know that you are also involved in a French exchange. Yes, we we, well. we did this exhibition last week in northern France um, with a group of artists there, and um, they're they're coming to Nottingham in I think October, so we'll probably be hosting one or two of the artists from from that, and, and I think I think we're all intending to exhibit again with with them, and who knows the three pictures that I intended to put into <laughs> the exhibition in France, maybe I'll. Have them finish by <laughs> October or so. You never oh. know. It may happen. Well, sounds good. Good luck with that, David. And, thank uh, and thank you very much for today. Um, and I'll see you soon. Send me an invite to the uh, to the Make Colour Sing exhibition. And uh, I look forward to seeing it. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. latest solo show at the Stone Space Gallery in London, Deleuze's concept of the actual and the virtual, and the relationship between film and painting. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow me on Twitter and Instagram at 23carousels, and post with the hashtag PaintersToday.